0: What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us for another episode of Make It Happen Mondays with the one and only John Barrows of JB Sales. This episode is brought to you by our partners Salesloft, Gong, VanillaSoft, Vidyard, Proposify, Owler, Sandoso Out of the Box, and Zoom Info. Today, we're going to be talking with Colin Nanka, Senior Director of Sales Enablement and Leadership Development at Salesforce. Colin's going to speak with us about mindset, self awareness, seeing crisis as an opportunity, intention, and routines. And then he's going to dive into mentorship and what it means. This is a jam packed episode. So let's pass it over to John and Colin to make it happen. Good afternoon, everybody. This is John Barrows. We'll make it happen Mondays. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. I am finally back from my two-week vacation, RVing across the country, which was a rather interesting experience. Uh, but I'm racking the fold here, ready to get going. And I am super excited to have uh, Colin Nanko over at Salesforce. Uh, Colin, you're the uh, Senior Director of Sales Enablement and Leadership over there, right?
1: Yeah, head up Commercial Sales Enablement.
0: Awesome. And how long have we been, how long have we known each other? Cause I mean, I've been, I think I've been working with Salesforce for for like 12 years now, but we know each other at least
1: a decade. I mean, I remember you visiting back in my days in uh, Toronto, uh, you know, now in New York city, but we worked together for quite a long time.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a while. So I appreciate you coming on here. And, and, and also uh, what I didn't know about you uh, was this 10x ultra marathoner stuff, man? Like that—that's some real shit, right? So, uh, and 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 for everybody out there, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna talk about uh, mindfulness and just the mentality of getting through the mess that we're in right now. And so, Colin, do you want to kind of? We were talking right before this. Do you want to give us that background of kind of you 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 get, you set the stage early with 2008 and what happened there? So, yeah. could we kind of back up to that and, and give sure. us some context for this conversation?
1: Yeah. So I I made a transition. I was uh, at Xerox Corporation for nine years. And then I I made a switch to Salesforce in 2005, when Salesforce wasn't known as well as it is now. And I I felt in my early days, like, wow, you know, Mark and our leadership, like, I think they've really got something here, but it's going to take a few years for me to figure out where we're going. And I had a couple exceptional years in oh six and oh seven and then when the market crashed in two thousand and eight, I finished fifty percent of my number and coming down from being you know a top producer to being you know one of the lower total people on the team was really crushing mentally for me mm-hmm. and uh, in 2009, it actually wasn't getting much better for me. And so I needed to step away from the business. And I actually did a trip to, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro and a mentor of mine said, Hey, like I've been through this too, like step away from the business, you know, go do something hard, you know, connect to nature and then give back. And so that's what I did. I climbed Kilimanjaro, the hardest thing I'd done till that point in my life. And I almost quit three times. Uh, I got sick going halfway up. And I just took it one step at a time, you know, gridded my way to the top, uh, went on a safari, uh, saw the line in the great five, which was uh, the big five, which is amazing. Yeah. And then I went and gave back a local school and I raised money for them. And that trifecta, that secret sauce for me, you know, inspired me to come back in 2009 and finish the year off the best I could. I still came just short of my number, 97% of my number. But you know what? That felt like 130%. To me yeah. and so i learned something there that i needed to um you know have a purpose larger than myself and that pushed me into ultra marathoning in 2011 where i ran my first race in the sahara desert which by the way was a a giant failure as well uh, six days 160 miles up to 115 degrees fahrenheit and halfway through the race i felt just mentally overcome and just didn't feel like i had the capacity to go on But being the life learner in me, I knew that there was an opportunity for me to learn more about myself if I stuck around and helped my team volunteer. And so what I saw in those next few days, including a day where a couple of my mentors ran 60 miles or 90 kilometers uh, in one day, you know, in a 24-hour stretch, Was this, you know, courage, this grit, this resilience, the the ability to bounce back? And so when I saw that, at least I knew what my north star was. And I came back with, you know, a fire of redemption, both into the office, but also personally, to see if I could uh, right the ship and uh, make the make the next race in 2012, which I did in China. I made that race, and then from there on, I've finished every race that I've done since then. And so what i found is what i have done outside the office has fueled what i've done inside the office and you know it's meant for interesting conversation especially if you're in sales people have wanted to learn more about that and that was really a turning point in my career john
0: wow so can, let me back up for a second like the, this ultra marathon thing is bananas to me um like the human body it's the mind over matter type of stuff that you have that you know i always hear about that second gear that third gear that fifth gear if you will were you a runner before you started these things? Like, like let, let's talk about Kilimanjaro for a second. Sure. Were you like super active and an outdoorsy person and and rather healthy beforehand? So it was. So you just realized you had to train for this, or was this something where you were just like, you know what, I'm gonna do this. I'm not. I've never done anything like this before in my life. Even jogged more than a mile. Cause like for me, for instance, I, my cardio sucks. Like I go to the gym a little bit. Right. But you know, me running a couple of miles, I'd probably pass out. I did a hike in Yellowstone recently for seven miles and I was okay with the hike, but me running for like three, four five miles, not a shot in hell at this point. Right. So were you, were you somewhat conditioned to do that or was. was this a light switch? Okay. I
1: was, but it was, a, I would say it was a little bit of both. I mean, when okay. I was younger, you know, I've run since I've been six or seven years old. Okay. I ran track. I hated running long distance when I was younger, which is odd. And I didn't run my first marathon until I was 28. I started to run longer distance for the meditative approach and running for myself versus running to compete. And it wasn't until 35 that I took on Kilimanjaro and in the last 10 years, I'm 46 now, that I've really taken on this adventure. So I'd say I'm a late bloomer, maybe not a late bloomer in this sport, but it wasn't until I needed a change in my life that I really, you know, look for these types of adventure. And some people in the beginning may have said, what are you running away from? And I think mm-hmm. at that time, maybe that was true. And then as I developed some expertise, I think I was running towards these things. And so it was a mindset shift for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the, the life experience uh, has just been incredible.
0: What is it like? I mean, what is, I mean, I got to imagine running 60 miles climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes. Physically, but you mentioned a few times mentally it, it it's, there's gotta be some like, how do you get through that? I can't do this anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I this is, I've reached my quote unquote breaking point, but, but you sounds like you've broken through in a few cases. Is there a, Is there something either a mentor told you or something that happened with you that helped you kind of break through that limiting belief, if you will, in your head of of I can't do this or that just seems too ridiculous for me?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, getting, we talk a lot in sales about getting comfortable, being uncomfortable and when you're in a very rugged environment and you really have no choice but to push forward and you're with a a bunch of like-minded people out there. The Mm -hmm. mistake I made in my first race is I tried to run it myself. And Mm -hmm. what I learned in my second race was the camaraderie each day. I would partner with people not too different from working with a team in sales and holding, having that cross accountability. I mean, in 2012, I finished this race in China, but I traveled with three other people the whole time And we promised each other that if any of us felt like quitting, the other people would hold them accountable to not quitting and just to push through that uncomfort. And there's times during that trip that I absolutely wanted to quit. And I just had peers who would not let me quit. And so I think that's a, a lesson in life and a lesson in sales. Um, I also developed a mantra for a couple of my later races. And it was uh, a direct report on my team, a sales guy. And uh, his name is Wes. And mm-hmm. he was a former 5,000 meter runner, uh, top ranked in the world. Oh, and wow. so before I ran, went on this race, I was his manager. And he said, what's your mantra? And i was like what do you mean and he's like i've used a mantra as i've trained for my races to great success and so i developed a mantra with my coach i've had a coach for over 10 years another accountability layer and mine was strong relaxed and grateful so strong for strength of character relaxed when you're at your best you know you're relaxed Uh, and then gratitude it's hard to be anxious or frustrated or angry Uh, you know, when you're grateful. And so that mantra, I have used that mantra for years, going into meetings, it's a reset for me to make sure I'm at my best in every interaction.
0: I love that. So let's talk about the gratitude for how do you practice gratitude? Because I I think there's I think there are people who are grateful for what they have, but they don't aren't, aren't conscious about it in a lot of ways. Do you daily, do you say that, you know what I mean? Like, is there something that you go through on a daily basis to remind you of, of gratitude? Yeah, and, I, I was doing it after?
1: for, I was doing it for a few years every morning. And then I think in the last couple of years I got away from it. And mostly because I felt like I had graduated to the 201 version mm-hmm. of myself, but then you hit this pandemic and you're like, wow, like I got to go back to like recentering myself every day. So a few questions I ask myself every morning, they're in a little task list in my, you know, iPhone, along with my vision and values and my approach for the year is what am I happy about? What am I excited about? What can I create today? And what are the obstacles in my way? And in that you're getting into that gratitude moment to reducing anxiety in the morning. Mm -hmm. When you're creating, you're in the the front of the brain. And and science shows when you ask yourself good questions and you're resourceful like that, you're going to perform better. And then the last one is calling out the obstacles. One of the biggest things I learned in these races was accepting the crappy set of circumstances that you're about to entail, visualizing your way through them. And then when you hit them, you've already halfway to your goal mm. so in one of the races we ran over 10 miles of large stones which were pure ankle breakers and one of my mentors said if you make friends with those stones and see them as the path to the finish line you will make it if you okay. don't like friends of his uh, had not you'll be out after day one and that was very impactful for me and i take that into the way that I approach uh, the work day. And then I close the day with two things I'm grateful for. Often mine is my daughter, my two-year-old daughter, Tess, we talked about this yes. earlier, my wife, uh, our family. And then I always ask myself, what's one thing that I could improve today that if I did mm-hmm. it better uh, would make me do it better tomorrow? Beginner's mindset and just trying to improve one to 2% every day. So that is my daily routine. routine every single day
0: love that yeah, i, I, I kind of have that same one percent uh, mentality i think I, I read a book a while ago called uh, raving fans right and it talks about you know ken blanchard right know who you yeah. are know what your customer expects and then every day do one percent better so every day i ask myself that question like hey was i one percent better today i don't say what well, can i do one percent better i actually that's the morning like I, I try to work myself through but then i reflect on the day and say all right am i better today than i was yesterday Right. Mm -hmm. And even if it was just making that one extra call shit, doing that one extra push up, you know what I mean? Something like that. um, I feel like, all right, cool. I'm at least moving in the right direction. Yeah, that's great. Do you, you mentioned values. Um, When did that come into your life where you were, where you actually thought about your values versus just kind of knowing your? I think a lot of people seem to think they know their values, whatever, but I think it's a very healthy exercise to go through and really define your values and again i think if i reflect on this uh think and grow rich right napoleon hill or whatever in there he says you know go write down what your core values are and i did that early in my career and it's been a guiding light for me as far as decision making when for you did you really start to really understand your values and 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 solidify them
1: I think I've had two big influences on values and you're right. When you when you really write them down and tighten them up and share them with other people and get feedback, I think that's when you know you've got it right. So Two influences for me, you know, I mentioned my coach, I've had a coach for 10 years. So we worked on my values when I was an individual contributor, but also a sales leader that really helped me. And then Mark Benioff, obviously, you know, our leader at Salesforce, he's got his V2 mom, vision, values, methods, obstacles, and measures. And we measure ourselves in the business with that. But he's also inspired all of us to create our own personal V2 mom, and so uh, that's really reinforced my own values. I share them with my team: Minor exploration, lifelong learning, and trust. And the exploration obviously comes from a lot of the things that I do outside, but I'm also exploring the mind. You know, lifelong learning. If I'm learning one to two percent every day. And then trust uh, building one to one trusted relationships over time has proved to to be valuable for me and just you know helped win as a team.
0: Love that. Could you could, V two mom? Could you explain that again? I want I want to make sure people get that. Yeah, again, cause I, yeah. I, sure. I understand. I just want to make sure that people because it is something that Benioff has put together that is. I think a great framework could you could you go into a yeah little bit more absolutely we've,
1: we've used that for a long time at salesforce every employee at salesforce writes their own V 2 mom so they write a business one it's the, it's the vision of where we're heading you know as a business unit each individual person your values at salesforce and so i have salesforce values and i also have my own personal values mm-hmm. and then the the methods it's you know what are we going to do and then, what are the, what's the O? Oh, the obstacles. So I talked about the obstacles before. Yeah. But accepting those obstacles, when you lay out what is in your way, you can often often think your way through them. And then the M is for measure. So obviously, we have to measure everything we do, and um, that has been you know something that's been very helpful in my life.
0: Those obstacles. Let's let's get that to a sales uh, analogy here. I, I love the analogy of you, you look at those rocks, right, that you're running over and you could either look at them as, Oh my God, that's a that's a nightmare. I'm probably gonna break my ankles, and probably you will, versus all right, these are gonna help me get to my end, right? So so in sales, what are some of those obstacles that you help your team uh visualize and come to accept, if you will, so that when they hit them, right, is it is it stuff like uh missing your quota is it stuff like the client being mad at you like what are some of those obstacles that you try to help your team and yourself visualize so that you can you know once you hit them you can accept and excel through them
1: yeah i think i think two examples come to mind the the first is you know simple prospecting and we've talked about this over the years john is um, you know, I go back to my Xerox days, we had an old moniker that it it, it took 19 no's to get a yes. Right. Nice and once yes. you hit 19 no's, be thankful for that. Cause the next one is likely right. a yes. So in some nice. degree it's numbers, right? right. And you need to be, you know, really customized. You need to be effective. You need to understand the customer's external factors that are affecting them in the market, the pain points, um, you know, what their peers are doing in the marketplace. Um, there's so much information out there right now about um, you know the blogs that people are writing, and if you truly you know write up a customized email or you know a nice um, uh, a message that you convey by phone, good salespeople or executives love to be sold to I'm one of them I get a lot of bad approaches and then the ones that i do even if i'm not interested in the solution i will write them back and say that is great i don't have a need for that service but keep going right and so i think giving people your perspective from being in sales for a lot of years the uh the highs and lows of the job and i often say don't ride the roller coaster too high Mm -hmm. right don't ride so high and don't ride so low try and ride in the middle and so you play the long game for the year uh, that's one piece of advice that, uh, mm-hmm. that I would give. And then you mentioned challenging conversations. When you learn to have tough conversations, whether it's Uh, in the business sense at home, uh, or with peers, right? right. That's where the gold is. And when you can meet a person where they're at, and I often say when you when you go into a challenging situation, um, try and understand what that person's values are, right? It goes back to values. And when you can ask a person about their values, or you can ask them what success looks like for them this year, Mm -hmm. you really open them up, and you really get curious. And that's advice that I often give to uh, our sales folks,
0: Nice, yeah, I think that you know uh, the it kind of again go, that that value center f- helps helps align i mean I, I i do I'd say that if you know if you and I have this similar core values, right, then you and I can discuss or debate and even argue uh, to a logical conclusion to a positive conclusion, but if your values are different than mine then it's going to be really hard for us to agree on anything and ha- and be constructive in any way. Yeah. And this goes with clients, this goes with employees, this goes with everything. And and I think this is where I want to go with this which is, you know, there's a lot of sales reps right now who are I mean, the stress right now is brutal, right? Because you might have some reps might have gotten laid off, right, through no fault of their own. But then there's other reps who are left and there's almost this imposter syndrome, or this like, why didn't I get fired? And when's that shoe gonna drop? And and it's like this self like defeating thing where there's a panic set in of, oh my god, I gotta do my job, and I, and also I have to stay true to this job even though I might not like it, or I might my management might not be supporting me or whatever it is, and I'm afraid to just leave and go find another job because there's eight million sales reps right now looking for jobs, so. How do you? What What are some of the advice you give to those sales reps right now that are kind of freaking out in this moment? I mean, there, I think there are some that have that mentality of "fuck it, I don't care what's happening right now, I'm gonna go forward and and I'm gonna do everything I can to be successful. I'm gonna try to stay positive as much as I can, and they just have that internal drive and motivation and positivity. But it happens to the best of us, man. I mean, I mean, I got I got a I had a friend early on on this as an entrepreneur sales rep myself. I I had a get uh, somebody on my podcast to, for me, it was like my own, it was my own uh, therapy session. Like I, I got him on board and I was like, you know, Sags is a good Mike Sagaport, He's a good friend of mine. And he's like, he talk he talks a lot about the sports mentality, about the mindset of winners and all that other stuff. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm starting to freak out. Right. So, you know, and I usually try to stay pretty positive about a lot of stuff and grind through things and who gives a shit. Like you can't control what you can't control. Let's move forward here. But what are what are you telling some of those kids right now that are having a hard time dealing with the external and internal influences of them, you know, even maintaining and being marginally successful at their job at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean one of the one of the things that we talked about earlier uh, you know, as you talk about um, you know, defeating average, you know, that's a it's a moniker that I've taken on and because I know how uh, much I got at Whipsaw in 2008, I've been going around to sales teams inside salesforce and into our ecosystem talking to the younger sales professional and trying to help them figure out how they can unlock resilience or bounce back from difficulties. And also build that mindset to be focused, effective, and self-aware. It's the state you bring, right? First thing I think about every morning is, am I breathing? Am I dreaming? And am I moving? And by breathing for me is mindfulness. And a lot of people have said, hey, I can't do that. Uh, People in the sessions I've had have said, you know, what is 40% more, which I, you know, as I've explained in these ultra marathons, and by the way, we're all in an ultra marathon right now, we're all carrying a 10 pound bag of rocks, right? It's hard. Um, And when they say, well, what does 40% more look like right now or in the office? It's being mindful and sitting with yourself and being aware of how you're feeling so if you're not willing to start with one minute of mindfulness a day, or, you know, 10 to 13 breaths, which is typically one minute for me, yeah. you're not moving into that 40%. It sounds simple, but for some people it's really hard. So, yeah. you know, I started uh, meditating many, many years ago. I started at two minutes a day, then I moved to five, and now it's a full 20 to 30 minutes for me. And it helps me exercise the demons first mm-hmm. thing in the morning and bring that anxiety down and really get me centered. And then when I say dreaming, like that goes back to my vision and values. Um, But what is my intention for the day? So I'll write down a few words and it may be, uh, create. I want to create something today. I want to create a good experience with you today. Uh, maybe coach. There's people on my team that I'm going to coach today. It's family. It's support. I write down four or five words and science shows that when you do that, that impact sticks with you, you know, for a week to two weeks and then move. When you're working out, you tap into the creative uh, part of the brain versus the fight or flight in the back. And those three things, if you can spend that 30 minutes in the morning or 40 minutes. Some people may call that a power hour Mm -hmm. that gets you into the right state to be uh, more thoughtful about how you're going to approach all those obstacles. So I think you got to get yourself right. Right. It's like you get on a flight, you put your the oxygen mask on first before you put it on a family member. That's that's it. Like that's it right there. And everything else becomes easier after you do that.
0: Yeah, it kind of goes back to the old, like you can't love anybody else until you love yourself, right? That yeah, type yeah. of scenario. Yeah. You talk a lot about the long game, right? I mean, you know, see, talking about crisis as an opportunity in the long haul, like trying to have that big picture focus. What's your thought on, you know, Gary Vee talks about clouds and dirt. Uh, you know, I talk about having a vision, but then daily execution. And one of the, you know, kind of tips or tricks that I do to to help myself get out of negative mindsets is I look for the positive, right, I start looking for the small little wins. And because usually when when you're in this negative tailspin, it's momentum, right, it kind of builds and builds and builds and you have to stop it. And I remember a friend of mine was having a really, really hard time. This was a few years back. And I said to her and she everything was negative, absolutely everything was negative. And so I said, Hey, do me a favor um, take, uh, take a notebook here. And today I want you to write down every positive thing that happens. And I don't care how small somebody opened the door for you. You hit a green light on your way to work. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Okay. Write it down. And come back to me at the end of the day and let's have this conversation about what happened, right? And she came back to me at the end of that day and she was just like, oh my God, I had the best day I've ever had in you know in the past two years and da 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 and And she's like, I got five pages of notes, like so-and-so. And I go, do you think today was really any different than yesterday or do you think today you just changed your lens? And so that those small things, right, to put yourself back on the winning track. So how do you balance kind of long-term right, with today? Like, what do I do today and how do I balance that?
1: Yeah, it's it's right on, John. One of the things I'm just gonna hold up there here for you is a whiteboard, right? Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I either write this in my, my, my notepad daily or on the whiteboard, is what does success look like today? And so, for that is uh, my intention. One of the things that I've noticed for myself, and it goes back to exactly what you said, John, is about journaling. When Mm -hmm. you're journaling in the morning, and it can just be a few minutes or journaling at the end of the day, it brings you to be more self-aware of what makes a great day and doesn't make a great day and so for on my whiteboard i'm also writing i have a something on the right hand side of the 10 things that bring me joy Mm -hmm. and so i uh, sprinkle that into my week right and when i have those things to look forward to right Mm -hmm. like that's the carrot after maybe you're doing that tough prospecting in the morning or you have a tough customer meeting or tough customer service conversation but you know you have that to hang on to and look forward to. And it is about daily chunking it out. I have, you know, little metrics that I look at is, you know, how much I lear- am I learning in a day? How much time do I spend meditating? How much time do I spend coaching other people? And that awareness is helping me sharpen the saw to make the best day possible every day. And hey, in the first month of this pandemic, my days were a solid five out of 10, right? But now, and I'm even putting numbers beside them, like is my day an eight out of 10? Is it a nine out of 10? Is it a 9.2? That usually happens on a weekend when I'm spending a lot of time with my family. So having that awareness exactly to your point can get you out of the tailspin.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what people are stuck in right now. There's there's so many things to worry about. I mean, I—it's funny, you know—taking this two-week vacation. It was the first time in my in my professional career that I did not check email, I did not check Facebook, and I did not check the news. And that mental clarity alone—I didn't realize. Well, I—I I think I did inherently, but I—I kind of was. Well, no, I got to stay up to date on what's happening in the news. You know, I got to stay what what's going on in my emails and stuff like that. Um. So for two weeks, I didn't do that, and and. I, I don't know whether it's because I'm 44, right? And, and I've been working my ass off for 25 years at this point. And I don't know if it was just finally a like, fuck it. I just don't care right now. Like I need to just stop caring about those things that I can't control. And it was it was really, I'd say that was probably the best part of the vacation. I mean, it was fantastic, obviously, to be out there with my family and, you know, nature and all that other stuff. But I think just the the release of... I that stuff's not really that important at the end of the day and it's stuff i can't control so how much do you like what are what are some of those things that that again you suggest to people that that they let go of that are unnecessarily impacting their mental clarity their health their you know like those type of things is it friends is it news is it like tactical stuff that you could say look that's just stuff stop like Control that in some way, shape or form because because it, yeah. otherwise it's going to control you.
1: Yeah, I, I think of it of, of a, you know, kind of like a graph of, you know, capacity down one axis and time on the other and mm-hmm. you how you build that annuity stream over time. I think earlier in my career, I was very inefficient. I was had sporadic energy shifts to your point about leveraging momentum. Mm-hmm. I was not leveraging momentum. So you can start fresh every single day, um, a lot of, you know, very successful and senior leaders talk about beginner's mindset and begin again every day. And so I, I think even if you're in a tailspin, you have that opportunity to begin the, again the next day. I mean, uh, I'm taking a vacation next week. This is my last day before vacation and I'm looking right. to achieve exactly what you did It is about taking the negativity out of your day. I mean, there's been people in our lives that it's like we're going to spend less time with right now in the pandemic because, you know, they bring negativity into a conversation. Um, Social, I get wrapped around the Twitter axle on a regular basis. And so I've shifted from, you know, spending 30 or 45 minutes looking at that kind of stuff a day to 10 minutes, or I'll look at it in the middle of the day and I won't look at it before I go to bed mm-hmm. because I sleep a lot better. So, so it's making those adjustments. And if you make those micro adjustments every day, every week, you can really shift yourself from a negative place mm-hmm. into a positive place. And frankly, not being tied to the um, the email anchor, right, which right. I'm looking right. forward to next week, um, <laughs> it makes a huge difference. And it helps you come back with a more creative approach to the challenges that you're probably experiencing. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm right there, we're, we're aligned, John.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned something that I, I actually have a hard time with, but I've been doing more and more of, um, you know, you hear a lot of leaders of, hey, surround yourself with other successful people, get rid of the toxic people in your lives. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, there's some friends that you, you know, that I grew up with in high school and that type of stuff that are actually dear friends of mine, but are just negative. You know what I mean? They're just straight negative. So I'm not gonna get say fuck off. I don't want you in my life anymore. It's just I've I've significantly limited the interactions and also really try. Anytime anybody brings drama to the scenario, I just remove myself from the situation because I found myself being so caught up with other people's negativity that it was even if I tried to stay positive, they were dragging me down. Um, have you had to like make some tough decisions in your life sure. about the people that you hang around with?
1: Yeah, I think you know what I was thinking about as you talked about that is um, a lot of people uh, spend too much time managing their time, but they not they don't manage their energy right? You manage your energy, not your time. And so if you reduce negative, uh, impact around you, that just gives you more space. You know, I've been in, in meetings where there's negative influences and you can see the space it takes from other people and the, the energy drain uh, within a meeting or within a customer interaction. So yeah, I have uh, either limited the the impact that we, or uh, connection points we have with other people in our lives about that, me and my wife are both of that same mindset. Mm-hmm. And you tend to gravitate as you move to be really focusing on more positive energy, you tend to gravitate more to people that are more like-minded. And so you're not gonna completely lose touch with other people, but you have a conscious choice about how you feel Mm-hmm. And who you spend time with, and I th- I do think about that a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, even for me, I you know, I, unfortunately today I, I got caught up into it a little bit with uh, with social right and and trolls on social right. I mean, I put a bunch of posts out there, obviously, and and I got these people that inherently are trolling me, right? And they just they, I know they're just poking me just to get a. And for a while there, I was like, nope, absolutely not. Like, I don't get... Like, uh, for a while, I got deep into it, and I would go back and forth and fire off and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, what What am I doing here, right? And so I would stop. But then just today, some the same, one of these trolls came back and hit me on my thing, and I just... He just nudged me just the wrong way, and I was like, "Yes," and I and I found myself getting back into that rabbit hole, yeah. and I just stopped. I remember I was I was I, and it was happened this morning. I was typing this fiery like you know response to try to embarrass him because he tried to call me out on something, and I was like, you know, there's a hundred thousand people on this thread that I was doing, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make this guy look like an asshole because he is. And halfway through, I'm like no, it's, it's just not worth it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm giving oxygen to this. Yeah. Why should I? You know what I mean? Like, there's why, why that that again? The negative energy that I'm putting out there is doing nothing but manifesting into my own personal mental anguish here. That is doing nothing to benefit me in any way, shape, or form, or the audience in any way, shape. Or form, right. I'm
1: so. riding right along there with you. I think we. I think we've all been there. Yeah. I've done a couple of energy assessments uh, lately. I mean, it sounds kind of woo. It's it's not yeah. like to that degree, but it's with um you know with a couple coaches I work on. And in this environment it's been super helpful and there's an acronym pack pause acknowledge and then choose right and i was thinking about it as you said it because i've so been there yeah. and when you when you really feel that you know in your in your chest of just you know pausing and the space between the notes the the, the space between when you go react acknowledge how you're feeling and then you have the ability. To choose how you're going to react and sometimes it feels good to do that exactly what you said oh, and yeah, other yeah. times you know you know you're like i'm going to do it but that's actually not going to be good in the long run so yeah. you know i'm going to take a deep breath breath in and i'm going to choose a different way to go so you know I, i've been teaching leader and coaching and development for a long time and i'm still working on this yeah. every single day
0: It it's funny Almost every time and, and I, I really try to I almost wanted to create this little um this little timer like an egg timer that was the like the 10 minute angry email timer so yeah. if you're angry in any way of like before you send the email like write it delete the person's name right so you don't hit send but write the email like write it as pissed off as you are write that email but then put the egg timer on for at least 10 minutes go grab a coffee, walk around the block a little bit, come back and read that email. And if you're still think that, like at least give yourself that type of break, because I swear almost every single time I've written a pissy email to an existing client, to a prospect, to an employee, to anybody, almost as soon as I hit send, I regret it. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, I it felt good writing it, but when I hit send and that satisfaction, that endorphin hit when I hit it, literally like five seconds later, I'm like, God, I shouldn't have done that. You know what I mean, like, or their response to it immediately highlighted why I shouldn't have done that, right? And so it's, it, I think that pause is such a, I mean, and let's talk tactically here. I mean that that's one of the same things with dealing with, uh, you know, we're talking about you know the mentality and the championship mindset and those type of things, but even dealing with customers and objections. You know, I mean, there is data that suggests that the best sales reps, when given an actual objection the one thing like gong has some data on this that the best sales reps pause 5 times longer than average sales reps when responding and it's really just that and it's not like 5 seconds it's not 10 it's literally 2 seconds when somebody fires an objection at you you then you and then and instead of responding you ask a question right so it's just kind of that that mental we, we, I think we all need some mental uh, uh, guidelines or 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 things and structure to get us to stay consistent with that stuff, right?
1: Uh, you're right on. It's it's getting instead of being upset, it's just being curious and being like, yeah. oh, I wonder why they've said that. I, I wonder what the the challenge is on their side." And then I think in those anxious moments, you know, for yourself, a question often comes to me this question came to me in the, the middle of the desert through a, a lot of anxiousness is what's the learning opportunity here, yeah. right? That goes back to your earlier point about playing the long game. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a lot of sales professionals this year that may have a very challenging year. Hey, I had a really challenging year and a failure in 2008 Mm-hmm. you know but i'm still here you know i rose out of the ashes and had a i've had a very successful career i think you you want to look back at the end of the the year and just be up on the step and look back to 2020 and ask yourself how you showed up this year and did you end this year with no regrets mm-hmm. and then you can be at peace wh- however you finish mm-hmm. um but we're we're all playing a long game we're all on a journey We're all carrying extra weight this year, and I think people need to be gentle with themselves and also, you know, build their daily practice and try as as hard as they can.
0: I I think that that daily practice that daily routine those those affirmations I mean writing things down the journaling of stuff the gratitude like all this stuff is as little as some people think it might be or in some ways as tedious as some people think it might be because I remember there was a while I'm like oh do I really should I really write down goals every day like come on man like I got this like I'm in good shape but then but but when I I agree with you right but when I stop and then I find myself getting into a tailspin and and, and not getting better every day, right? So, um, you know, I think a lot of people listening are probably like, oh, come on, really? Like, John, every day you write down a little goal. Every day you say what you're grateful for. Every day, Colin, you know, that type of stuff. It's like, yeah, as a matter of fact. Every day. Every day. Every day.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll give you an example on the weekend. I mean, yeah. you know, we work at a pretty high-paced company. And so I've, I've got to do a little bit of work on on the weekends, but every Saturday morning, that's typically when I'll get some work done. Um, But I have learned over time, I have this energy Saturday morning to to go and get stuff done. And I just go shooting in five different directions and get five things done. But that may not be the most best use of my time and I may not be choosing the right thing. So I actually spend a good 45 minutes every Saturday morning deciding what i'm going to work on and i'm really patient about it until i get to those one two or three things that are going to be the highest value for my work for my family for the outside work that i do my passion projects and then i go do it and it feels more rewarding that way yeah absolutely
0: i I mean i've done something so today right we're actually recording this on friday um i i had to implement because when when covid hit real hard It was a panic for me. I mean, 70% of my revenues got ripped away from me, right? So I'm like, holy shit, I got now seven employees that I got to figure out how to make sure that they can still feed their families and everything. So I'm like, okay, I'm saying yes to everything. You know what I mean? Any client that wanted to do anything and would pay me for stuff, you know, whatever. I was running around and I was finding that, you know, I would be going, and and this was also, I was doing trainings uh, in APAC, EMEA, and U.S., and I had all those scheduled out, like March and April were all EMEA, APAC, right? And so I flipped all those to remote, and so now I'm 6 o'clock in the morning for APAC all the way to about 10 o'clock at night, I'm doing trainings, right? five days a week for four five, six weeks. And then it was the weekend. And because I was so busy during the week, that's when the family stuff. So I realized that I didn't really have any, I didn't feel like I had any control of my time. I was just reacting to everything and doing everything. And I was, I was going crazy. I was legitimately, that's when I called my friend, Mike Sager, you know, just said, Hey, I need a therapy session. Let's just do this on a podcast. Um, so I implemented uh, Friday, uh, I call my days. So Fridays, I call my days. And I made it, I blocked it so that there's no, you can't proactively schedule a meeting on my calendar on Fridays. Any other day of the week, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, you have my calendar link, anybody can get on it. If there's a blank spot, we'll have that conversation. But Fridays with a one day that, not that I don't work on Fridays, obviously I'm here having this conversation with you, but I choose to do what I wanna do on Fridays. And that mental, cl- that, that reprieve of that one day that was mine that i could choose what i wanted to do that's when i would go you know to the you know dentist you know my appointments and those type of things but it was my choice and it was such a healthy thing for me that i implemented it across the board for my team I sent them an email one day, an invite one day for Fridays and called My Days, and they were it was they were like, What's this? I'm like, just accept it. Trust me, you'll, you'll, you'll like it. And on a Monday I told them, I go, look, I don't expect you to work on Fridays. You can work on Fridays. I'm just letting you know that nobody here will control your calendar on that day. You control your calendar on that day, and everybody's taken great advantage of it. And it's been a huge awesome. kind of breath of of fresh air. Cause now it almost feels like we have four day work weeks. So it's like Thursday night last night, I had this. Cool. I'm looking forward to Friday, not because it's Friday, because it's my day.
1: Yeah, right? it's I mean, it reminds me of, you know, how professional athletes push in six week increment uh, increments, yeah. and then they take, you know, at least a week or two of downtime, and they they refresh and they recharge the body. I and mean, we can do that on a weekly basis. And that sounds like an awesome way to do it. Yeah.
0: Cool, man. One more point on this because you you talk about leveraging mentors a lot. Uh, you talk about the team, or and and you have what's your what's your mentality on mentors? Because I I don't know if you get it, but I get a lot of people saying, "Hey, John, will you mentor me?" Yes. And I think that's a dangerous question to ask because there's a lot of in that there there seems to be a lot of responsibility uh, on the mentor to coach and train. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like, oh God, like. I I I don't have time to mentor you right now. I have time to give you advice. I have time to answer questions for you. But what is your mentality around mentorship and how reps should be looking at mentors and approaching mentors? It's a good question.
1: I've thought about this a lot. I think earlier in my life, I was pretty scrappy at getting mentorship and it was because i worked incredibly hard i had some people who were a little bit senior to me and they would look down and go oh like colin's newer to xerox for example and he's working incredibly hard and maybe they maybe i reminded them a little bit of you know themselves earlier so yes. they would offer to help and so you need to be aware when someone comes over and said hey, like, that was a good call. L- let me offer you a couple pieces of advice. And that's that's often someone who's willing to help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really a firm believer early on that you found your own mentors. As I get older, I, th- I think people like you and me who've been doing this for a while, John, uh, we go find the people we want to mentor. And sometimes it could be a random person reaches out. But mm-hmm. often it's someone that we get to know, because yeah. we see them really, um, earning and honoring the right to be mentored. I I had a good analogy from when I played squash when I was younger, squash, the little black ball, you chase around, could be racquetball, could be tennis, but my squash uh, pro said, you know, if you want to get better at squash, you need to play at least three times a week, play with someone who's better than you because they'll stretch you Play with someone who's equal to you because you'll bang up ball around and be really competitive and then play with someone who's not as good as you. And that will allow you to master your craft. And so I took that into the profession. And frankly, I have a good, you know, 10 or 20 people that I would consider mentors. There's many in Salesforce. There's thought leaders outside the company that mm-hmm. I connect with on a regular basis. There's younger people that I coach. Maybe I used to be their sales leader. And I often learn as much. I often walk away from those interactions with younger people saying, I think I learned more today than (laughs) I might have offered than I might have offered to you. And then the fourth dimension is there's so much great knowledge in books and podcasts and YouTube. Like You can learn most of what you need to learn about people. So you got to be resourceful to go and figure out a lot of things that are readily available to you.
0: And I think that's a great point because I, you know, it's just like, you know, let's bring it back to prospecting. Like there's so much information out about our clients. Don't just walk in with a blank slate and say, "Tell me about your business. Tell me about your priorities, do the homework. It's the same thing with me. It's like i I get a little frustrated sometimes when people reach out to me for mentorship. And they ask me these questions that I've answered a million times before on a video, on a blog, on a podcast, on something like that. And I'm just like, "Ugh, like if you had just done, you know, an hour's worth of homework and ask that question to yourself or Googled it for crying out loud or like you would have been able to get at that answer. And then you would have a much more thoughtful question to ask when we, when, when our time was the time that we had, you know what I mean? Like that's, I think what frustrates, uh, you know, prospects a lot. It frustrates, you know, leadership a lot is when you don't do that homework before you come into that engagement and you don't respect it. Right. Cause that, that's kind of jaded me a little bit. It's like, God, I, I'm happy to have this conversation, but please don't be fucking lazy with this conversation. Like the info's out there for crying out loud, but people are just not willing. I don't know if it's people aren't just willing to do it or there's a laziness factor or there's just this, you know, because I, again, I bring it to prospecting. I bring it to a lot of stuff. Do you, what do you think the main reason is that people don't search, like they search for somebody else to give them the answer as opposed to going and looking for the answer first before they ask?
1: it's it's the willingness to do the work right we talked about that you know that extra 40% when i was a younger rep in my career i would spend hours while i was watching football on the weekend scouring my account lists and looking mm-hmm. up people and looking at their profiles to see what the, the, the thing that I could be, you know, to use to to get a, a hook in with them to like write that customized approach. And so, you know, if you think about the iceberg theory, you know, above the water, below the line, you can be sitting in the bullpen or the virtual bullpen now with uh, a lot of your peers and they could be more successful than you. But you don't see what they're doing, the work they're doing underneath, uh, underneath the waterline to be successful. And so if you're not getting the responses that you're looking for one, you know, you got to be patient you're with yourself, you got to keep at it, but also go talk to your peers, go talk to a senior sales person and get really curious and ask about their approaches. And you're likely to uncover some things that you hadn't thought about. And then just to tie off on the mentorship piece, you know, Uh, I've mentored some folks in the past that really didn't honor the time. And so, you know, I've offloaded them as people that I've been mentoring. And one of the best ways that, uh, you know, mentees can honor a mentor. And I heard this in another book, I can't remember which one is, but summarize what you talked about, right. And then send it back to them as value. It's like a customer, you're providing value to the customer. And that for me is super valuable because it helps Mm -hmm. me know what's landing. And then I can go share that with other people.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny, it's, it's it's there's so many similarities across the board of like customer engagement, people engagement internal. like have an agenda for a call show in person why you've done a little bit of homework, come with thoughtful questions, do a summary afterwards to show them what you talked about, hold people accountable, you know, agree to next steps like all this stuff is life is business is customers is all that. And if you and if you take that approach, not just to professional life, but to personal life, it starts to just become what you do on a, on a you know it, it it becomes that 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 natural flow that that stays in you know and those structural pieces help you get there along the way so
1: yeah yeah, yeah i 'm sure. with you earlier in your career it's about figuring out the uh the functions or the pieces of sales, and as you get older and you get it it 's a way of being, and then you can just show up to a situation prepared. And be willing to engage with someone, as opposed to coming with a method.
0: Yeah, and trying too hard, right? Like I in your, it's it's funny. I kind of, I always break it down into 20s, 30s, and 40s, right? You're in your 20s, you don't know what you don't know, so you're always kind of looking up for permission, and you think you're screwing up, and whatever it is, so you don't, right? So you might be fake confident, but you still know you don't know shit uh 30s you kind of start to get into this okay i think i'm good at what i do but i still am not sure so i'm still kind of looking for a little bit of a permission i don't know about you but when i hit 40 just purely based on doing this for 20 years and that type of stuff like the stuff that i was saying people in their 20s would be like oh that's genius right and i'd be like what like that and so you you kind of like there was this this comfort level when I hit in my forties of maybe, maybe you're I know what the time f- in,
1: right. You put yeah. your 30, hours in like, you know, so it gives you the confidence yeah. that you know what you're doing. I feel the same way.
0: I think it was a little bit of ego early in my career. Like it was my ego carried me. Now it's way more confidence. Cause I know that I'm not the smartest kid in the room, but I know I can figure shit out and, and those type of things. And that fine line of ego and confidence is a hard one to, to make sure you manage there. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Colin, it's been a great conversation. Look, I know you're coming out with, uh, you got a blog coming out. You got some, um, uh, is it a, is it a blog or is it a series? Talk, talk yeah, to me a little I, bit about I've that. I've been writing a blog
1: important. for um, just talking about the daily mindset for yep. uh, almost 10 years. I was writing it daily. And then as our daughter came around, I, I needed to pick some priorities. So it goes out three times a week. Uh, that goes out, at, uh, it's at colinnanka.com. So If you want to uh, sign up for the blog there uh, you can look there and i'm really focused right now i've always focused on high performance approaches but Mm -hmm. right now i'm really writing about how to meet this crisis and see it as an opportunity and focus on resilience and mindset so if you're looking for some daily bumps in the the morning in the inbox that's a great place Uh, also we filmed our adventure race in patagonia in 2017 we created a a 10 mini a 10 minute mini documentary about it, it's been in a few small mountain film festivals, and we're going to launch it uh, in September. Um, cool. You know, John's got some uh, some uh, sample videos for the trailers in the show notes uh, nice, that nice. he can share. Uh, and if nice. you like it, share it around, and you know, welcome everyone to join us in September. Love it.
0: All right, and it's and just for everybody out there listening, it's Colin Nanka N A N K A, right? Correct. So C O L I N N A N K A dot com. That's that's the site. So check it out. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that video. That would be that will be super fun. Awesome. And what what you you said your daughter's name was Tess. Tess. Yes, Tess, Tess. Right. Send me do me a favor. Send me an email uh, with your address. I'll I'll have my daughter autograph one of those. I want to be in sales when I grow up. Books for. her. We, love it. we we'd it
1: love to get a copy of that book.
0: Uh, yeah. Send me an email. I'll, I'll like I said. I'll have my daughter sign it for you. All right, <laughs> Colin. Thank you so much for joining us here, man. Any any last parting words for everybody else? As far as um, what, what what are you thinking about? Yeah,
1: you know, stick with it. Play the long game. Uh, focus on building your daily practice. You'd be surprised how much you can um, you can you can build that daily practice in the next 30 days. If you're going to, if you're going to commit to one thing, you know, focus on that. And, you know, by fall, I think you'll be in better shape for some, some of those who are having challenges. You'll be in better shape than you are now.
0: Absolutely. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate it. And for everybody else, hopefully you got as much value out of this as I did. And as I always say at the end of all these podcasts, look, even if you are having a shitty day, uh, go out there and make somebody smile. Cause if you make somebody smile, you know, you had a great day and we need a lot more of that these days. All right. Thanks, Colin, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, everybody. Have a great week. All right. Let's make it happen.